This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. On this Friday night, we're following a number of major headlines, including the new aerial assault tonight in Ukraine. And here at home, the historic moment for the nation and the Supreme Court. For too long, our government, our courts haven't looked like America. President Biden nominates Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to be the first black woman on the highest court in the land. I can only hope that my life and career will inspire future generations of Americans. CBS's Jan Crawford on the groundbreaking nominee and her record. Putin's punishment, the new sanctions tonight as the U.S. plans to crack down on the Russian president himself as NATO says more troops will be deployed. Plus the leader of Ukraine's chilling message that this might be the last time he'll be seen alive as Kyiv is bombed for a third night. Masks off, the new CDC guidance that could mean we are closer to a post-pandemic normal and what it means for schools. Dangerous travel conditions, winter storm of snow, ice and freezing rain cause airline cancellations and slick roadways. The $26 billion opioid settlement, the landmark agreement and where the money will go. And on the road, the surprise of a lifetime for students at a Chicago high school that will help them achieve their college dreams. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, and thank you for joining us on this Friday night. We have a lot of news to get to. In Ukraine, Russia forces have entered the capital city of Kyiv, and so has the bombing sounds of missile and rocket attacks. Emergency crews raised to put out fires following attacks on residential buildings, while debris from a downed plane littered the streets. Ukrainian forces are putting up stronger resistance than expected. That's according to a senior defense official. And Russian troops are not advancing as fast as anticipated. The Biden administration, European Union and Britain have all moved today to freeze the assets of top Russian leadership, including President Vladimir Putin and his foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov. We're going to take you to Kyiv in just a moment, but we want to begin with a historic moment for this country. Today, President Biden nominated 51-year-old Ketanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. And if confirmed, she would be the first black woman on the nation's highest court. CBS's Jan Crawford joins us now on this historic day. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Nora. You know, Judge Jackson's remarks today were personal, like a real glimpse into her life. She began by thanking God for putting her on this path and her parents, who she said have always inspired and supported her. For too long, our government, our courts haven't looked like America. 
Fulfilling a campaign promise, President Biden made history as he introduced the first black woman ever nominated to the Supreme Court, Ketanji Brown Jackson. I do know that one can only come this far by faith. Among my many blessings, and indeed the very first, is the fact that I was born in this great country. From the beginning, the federal appeals court judge was the front runner with stellar academic and legal credentials and a compelling life story. Growing up in Florida, the daughter of educators in a family of law enforcement, she said in her high school yearbook, I want to eventually have a judicial appointment. Her resume reads like that of a future justice. Graduating with honors from Harvard and Harvard Law, she clerked on the Supreme Court for Justice Stephen Breyer, the man she's nominated to replace. Another first, Jackson would be the court's first former federal public defender. I take extra care to communicate with the defendants who come before me in the courtroom. A mother of two daughters, Jackson acknowledged the gravity of her nomination. I can only hope that my life and career, my love of this country and the Constitution, and my commitment to upholding the rule of law and the sacred principles upon which this great nation was founded, will inspire future generations of Americans. And now we turn to the confirmation process. Jackson will start having courtesy visits with senators next week. And with the Democratic majority, uh, the White House is hoping for a smooth and swift Senate confirmation. Nora? And Jan, if she's confirmed to the Supreme Court, what are some examples of the cases she'd have to weigh in on? Oh, well, I mean, right away at the beginning of next term, there's three blockbusters on some of the most contentious issues of our time. They've got a major case on voting rights from Alabama. There's an affirmative action case, the use of race in college admissions, and then another look at whether or not designers and artists uh, can refuse to take on same-sex couples as clients. So she would hit the ground running, Nora. Jan Crawford at the Supreme Court. Thank you. Let's turn now to Ukraine, where the capital city remains under siege. And this just in from President Zelensky, a full-scale attack on the city could happen tonight. There are new satellite images that show about 150 helicopters, along with large battalions of Russian ground troops just over the border in Belarus. The crisis also triggering fears of a humanitarian disaster, with tens of thousands of Ukrainians forced from their homes. Russian troops are closing in on major cities from the east, south and north. And CBS's Charlie Daggett is in Kyiv tonight. Good evening, Charlie. Good evening, Nora. In a national address, the Ukrainian president warned that tonight will be the hardest battle. We've heard a number of powerful explosions tonight, the worst yet. People are being told how to make Molotov cocktails. 18,000 guns have been handed out to citizens. He said we cannot afford to lose the capital. Skies lit up tonight over the capital in the most intense and sustained aerial bombardment the city has seen since the invasion began. Kiev on the verge of an all-out assault. Even with Russia bearing down, President Volodymyr Zelensky was on the streets this evening in defiance, saying your president is here, despite saying earlier that the enemy has identified me as the number one target. Columns of tanks have been seen entering the city. And horrific cell phone footage showed a tank crushing a car. A later rescue scene shows the driver miraculously survived. 
Russian troops are tightening the noose on Kyiv after going on the attack against Ukrainian forces on multiple fronts across the country. Fierce fighting in Kharkiv. Russian soldiers capturing the Chernobyl nuclear power plant site accused of taking hostages. The situation has become so desperate. Ukrainian TV has broadcast instructional videos showing people how to make Molotov cocktails. With the Ukrainian military unable to stop Russian forces. The government has called on men between 18 and 60 to stand and fight. At a location we can't show for security reasons we visited today, men were lining up to join. They're not hundreds of volunteers, but thousands. In fact, they don't have enough guns to go around. The commander did not want to be identified. Do you have enough weapons? Tens of thousands have tried to flee instead. Ukrainian guards fired warning shots to prevent a stampede at the city's main train station. While those left to hunker down in the capital can only brace for the onslaught to come. After moving at lightning speed when the invasion first began, the Russian advance has been bogged down. Ukrainian forces are not going down without a fight. And the man we spoke to today vowed to fight to the end to stop Russian troops from taking over this city. Nora. Charlie Daggett in the capital with that incredible reporting. Thanks. Well, the world got tougher on Vladimir Putin today, going directly after the Russian president with economic punishment. But the big question is, will it be enough? And there's also this new tonight. The Biden administration is asking Congress to authorize $6.4 billion in aid. That's in addition to the hundreds of millions of dollars that the U.S. has already sent overseas. CBS's Weijia Jiang is at the White House. Tonight, new sanctions on the Russian leader himself and his foreign minister. But the U.S. has sanctioned dictators in the past, like Syria's Bashar al-Assad, and it rarely changes their behavior. Putin has also buried his wealth, making it difficult to freeze his assets. Do you think it will actually have an impact on Putin in practice, given the uncertainty about the extent and location of his wealth? What we are hoping the world takes away from this is the uh, unity uh, uh, through which the United States, President Biden, is working uh, with our European partners and allies. President Biden spoke by phone to Ukrainian President Zelensky, vowing to offer more support. And as U.S. troops and helicopters arrived in Eastern Europe, the Pentagon confirmed the U.S. is still shipping arms to the Ukrainians. We're continuing to provide ways for them to defend themselves. Realizing they need to act more quickly given the Russian advance on Kyiv, NATO activated its rapid response force for the first time ever with 40,000 troops on call. We must stand ready to do more, even if it means we have to pay a price because we are in this for the long haul. The White House tonight also praising the courage of the anti-war protesters in Russia, where over 500 were arrested today. One powerful financial weapon that has not been used is cutting Russia off from the global banking system known as SWIFT, used for foreign transactions. Several European companies that had been reluctant to sign off signaled today that they would support it. The White House says it remains an option. Nora? Weijia Jiang, thank you. 
Well, tonight, a signal that we are returning to a version of normal life after two years of the pandemic. The CDC issuing some sweeping changes that will allow most Americans to stop wearing masks and practicing social distancing. CBS's Mola Lenghi has the details. Tonight, the CDC advising more than 70 percent of Americans they no longer have to wear a mask indoors. I'm so excited. The new guidance is based on not only the number of COVID cases in a community, but also on hospitalizations and hospital capacity. These markers will help determine whether the level of severe COVID is low, medium or high and what safety precautions to take. What it really is is a tool that allows us to objectively look at what's happening in our communities, what is the impact of this on the healthcare systems, and then therefore, what should we be recommending to the public? The CDC will continue to make recommendations, but ultimately it's up to state and local officials to decide what's best for their communities. Every state has rolled back indoor mask mandates except for Hawaii. Take a look at the yellow and green areas. These are locations where strain on the healthcare system is not considered high, where the CDC says mask requirements can be rolled back. But masks are still advised in the orange areas, where there's a potential for high levels of severe disease and strain on healthcare systems. Also new tonight, the CDC now only recommends universal school masking in communities at the high level. Still, the nation's largest school district, New York City, where the community level is low, announced today students must stay masked indoors. Well, the new CDC guidance does not impact current mask mandates covering public transportation. Those remain in effect until March 18th, and tonight it's unclear if they will be extended. But today, the CDC did end its mask requirement on school buses. Nora? Mololengi, thanks. Well, that powerful winter storm that has been making its way across the country all week hit the Northeast today with heavy snow, ice, and freezing rain. Later tonight, the Boston area could see nearly a foot of snow before the storm moves offshore. More than 1,500 flights were canceled today, mostly in the Northeast. Tomorrow marks 10 years since 17-year-old Trayvon Martin was shot and killed after stopping at a store to buy some Skittles and a can of juice. CBS Mornings co-host Gail King sat down with Trayvon's mother to talk about her loss and the pain that never ends for a son who would have celebrated his 27th birthday earlier this month. Ten years ago, Sabrina Fulton became the mother of a movement. We got to see past what's in front of us. We can't give up. Her son, Trayvon Martin, was just 17 years old when he was gunned down while walking back to his father's house from the convenience store. He was shot by George Zimmerman, a neighborhood watch volunteer who was 28. The pain is still fresh. The hurt is still fresh. The disappointment and sadness is still fresh. So it seems like it happened recently and I have to remind myself that it's been 10 years. Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Where are the clothes that he was wearing that night? It took me three years to uh, donate the items to the African American Museum in D.C. The Smithsonian. The the Smithsonian. It's um, on display now. His hoodie is there with a hole in his heart. Uh, His pants, his shoes, his cell phone, the drink, the candy, um, and then his flight suit because he was interested in becoming an aviation mechanic and he was interested in flying the planes. I felt that I gave my son 
to the world. Who am I to keep the clothes? And you can watch Gail's powerful one-hour special, Trayvon Martin, 10 years later, premiering tomorrow night on the CBS News streaming network and the Smithsonian Channel, and Monday night on BET and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. In Miami, a terrible accident killed one person and injured six others at an Italian restaurant in South Beach Thursday. Police report a woman in her 70s was trying to back her Bentley into a parking space when she accelerated onto the sidewalk, plowing into diners seated outside. Among the injured, a 50-year-old man and a 3-year-old boy who were trapped under the car. All right, four U.S. corporations will pay a combined $26 billion to settle claims over their role in the opioid epidemic. Johnson & Johnson and three major drug distributors agreed to the settlement while insisting it was not an admission of guilt. While none of the settlement money will go directly to victims of opioid addiction or their survivors, most of the money will go to state and local governments to deal with the epidemic. Students often think that school assemblies are boring, draining, and a waste of time. Well, CBS's Steve Hartman found one that was life-changing on the road. Students funneling into the Al Ravy High School Auditorium in Chicago were oblivious. Anybody know what this is about? Not a clue. I don't even know. That each and every one of them was about to hit the lottery. You're going to hear from me something soon. It's going to change everything. Pete Cadence is a businessman who started three companies. You could call him a self-made man, but Pete would disagree. He says if he'd had different parents, different peers, different skin color, been raised here on Chicago's west side, he most certainly would not be the multimillionaire he is today. This country was built on the notion that no matter where you come from, you can become successful and wealthy. That just factually is not true. Is college a dream of yours? Yes, a big dream of mine. Do you have the money for this? To Pete's point, this school is full of kids with big dreams. Nothing? Mm -mm. Bridled by harsh realities. Nothing? Nothing. But you can't let that stop, like, hope. Meet Armani Barber. I was thinking about being a lawyer. Armani is a junior near the top of her class. She knows she can make it through college, but doesn't know how she'd pay for any of it. Enter Pete Cadence, who, along with former Chicago Public Schools CEO Janice Jackson, hopes to fight inequity with a mammoth initiative called Hope Chicago. 
There's never been anything of this scale, of this magnitude, of this import done in this community. This is going to be a game changer. And I think it's going to be a model for other cities, large cities across the nation. And it begins right now with this promise. Your college tuition, your room and board, your books and fees will be paid for and you will go to college for free. Every student. And not just here, but also at this high school. And this one. For free. Five total. And because poverty is an intergenerational problem, one parent from each family gets to go to college too. Over the next 10 years, Pete and other donors plan to invest a billion dollars in hope. But they say the dividends are already pouring down the cheeks of a new generation, finally feeling the dream within their reach. Steve Hartman, on the road in Chicago. What a great gift. Sunday on Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan's guests include South Carolina Congressman James Clyburn and Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney. And remember, if you can't watch live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Have a great weekend. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast. I'm here with my producer, Becca. Becca, what can people expect on the podcast? The extended moments, for sure. Where can people get that? On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts. I use the internet.